0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: From the Clark Ford Studios in Oxford, Mississippi, it's The Beer Garden presented by Southern Traditions Farms join MPW digitals Neil McCrady as he visits with guests from all walks of life taking a deep dive into their unique stories now here's your host Neil McCrady
2: welcome into another edition of the beer garden presented by Southern traditions farm I'm Neil McCrady today on the show it's a political show so you're forewarned we can talk politics with Austin Barber of strategic partners in media Clearwater group a contributor to uh, MPW digital for the last I don't know, 10 years or so, talk about the State of the Union, look ahead to the 24 presidential race, which is going to get heated up here uh, fairly soon, as it appears that President Biden is going to announce his intention to run for re-election. Donald Trump, the former president, has already announced his intention. And then all eyes, of course, are on Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and there are other people involved as well. So we'll talk about all of those things and more here on the show. First, let me tell you that We're brought to you by Southern Traditions Farm. It's a 68-acre, 32-stall, upscale equestrian training and boarding facility in Canton, Mississippi. With two sand rings, a grass ring, miles of wooded trails, there's so much to be offered at Southern Traditions, including horseback riding offerings from beginner lessons with trainer Susan Walt to buying your first horse, competing at nationally recognized competitions. Under the teachings of one of the best young professionals in the sport, Bowers Cone, Southern Traditions has high aspirations For the future, along with owners Ben and Hillary Craddock, Southern Traditions has become one of the leading equestrian facilities in Mississippi. For questions or information about lessons, boarding, or sales, contact Bowers Cone at Bowers, B-O-W-E-R-S Cone, C-O-N-E, 1, at gmail.com, or message them on Facebook or Instagram at Southern Traditions Farm. I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios, Clark Fords in Amory, Mississippi, six six two. 257-1900, call that number, ask for my friend Corey Clark, tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for, he'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours, it's right to the bottom line, there's no hassle, there's no haggle, you get your quote, the rest completely up to you, you can shop it around, you can do what I've done, what I recommend that you do, and that is hop into a Clark Ford today, 662-257-1900. So without further ado, let's go to the MyPerfectFranchise.net hotline, my friend Austin Barber, Talk about uh, Mississippi politics, national politics, and more. I think you'll enjoy. My friend and uh, sometimes a contributor here uh, contributes when we ask him to certainly Austin Barber of the Clearwater group among other, uh, other ventures uh, kind enough to uh, join us today. This is going to be a, uh, a political conversation. So if politics triggers you, uh, this is not going to be the one for you. So, feel free to hit the pause button or the stop button or the next button but we're going to talk politics we're going to do it though in a in a in a way that i think uh will will be interesting because uh, Austin and i believe it or not sort of share some similar views about just the vitriol in today's politics so we're going to talk about that first Austin thanks for spending some time with us how are you
3: I'm great Neil as always I uh, always look forward to having a good conversation with you and uh thanks for having me and uh, i i should comment how great you look man you're just Looking nice. You're ready for the Rocky Balboa fight. You you will be a uh, somebody that can maybe get me inspired to go lose fifteen or twenty pounds because you look great.
2: Well, you know, Creed Three is coming out soon, so you know you, you can never you can never get too ready too soon for. Uh, Are you gonna
3: fight Creed Three? Are you gonna fight Creed in this? Okay, I can't.
2: Shit. I can't reveal exactly what's going yeah. on. I do have a Fight Club membership, and we do have a boxing thing in our uh, in our in our garage. So maybe I'm getting ready for Adonis Creed. I
3: would Does probably it. break my wrist if I did something like that after one. Yeah.
2: <laughs> you guys, that's why that's why they give you the uh, the, the wrist wraps.
3: Oh. Um, there you go. Um,
2: I guess we'll start here. Uh, how did your, first of all, how, how did your uh, son's soccer season go? Are they still going?
3: Yeah, they're still going. You know, he's at Jackson Academy and um, MAIS is a couple of weeks behind uh, public school soccer. So they are headed into the playoffs. If they win Thursday, tomorrow night, um, they'll be the number two seed behind Prep. Prep is really good. Jackson Prep ranked number three in the country, I saw. Um, so we were. <laughs> You'll you'll appreciate this. There's the big rivalry and with JA and Prep, and we were we played them Saturday at Prep and got up two one in overtime and ended up losing three two. Oh, but it's, yeah, it's brutal. But um, he's enjoying it. He he's loves soccer just like Carson does. And you know, I I was thinking about this because I was hoping that we were going to talk a little soccer um, to add a little diversity to our conversation here. You know, when I grew up in Yazoo City. It wasn't soccer. When you grew up in the seventies and early eighties, I doubt there was any soccer in Louisiana.
2: There was no soccer at all. There was, there was the YMCA, which was just kind of like ruleless soccer. Yeah. But they, I don't even remember how old I was. I did it one year. Cause I remember we played at Hillcrest elementary school. So I, I was probably in upper elementary so they weren't even calling offsides or we didn't know what anything was. There was no coaching. We didn't know. We just kicked the ball down the field and tried yeah. to put it in the net. And, and the only soccer that we were even exposed to, you'll remember this. Cause you're younger than me, but you're not so much younger than me that you won't remember. And I think you have a brother who's my age. There was ABC wild w- wide world of sports on Saturday afternoons. Yeah. Uh, Once the football season ended and, you know, they were looking for programming. And I remember Pele playing for the New York Cosmos and it being a big deal. And that's literally the extent of what I knew about soccer. Hell, if I'm honest, prior to like Carson getting into
4: it.
3: Yeah, I, I, um, my first experience of soccer was, um, my mother wanted me to go to Catholic school. So I went to Catholic school for one year in the eighth grade. I had to drive to Jackson and go to Catholic school and it was in Jackson and all those boys played soccer. Now, you know, um, you have the traditional sports too. And I didn't, they put me in the (laughs) goal. I was, I was big and athletic, but that, that was the extent of my soccer career until, you know, until my son was three and four and then my daughter behind it. And, they both played soccer just, just like Carson did. I don't know if your girls played soccer at Oxford, but um uh, Yeah. But I I I make the point because if you're a if you're a young parent listening to this and you're, you know, you've got kids that are starting to care about sports, or you want them to play sports and they're four, five, six, seven, eight years old, man, get them in soccer. It is such a great sport. It helps both of my kids um, become better athletes, become better at the sports, the other sports they played, whether it was basketball or football. Um, it, it is, I didn't know a dadgum thing about it. And of course, you know, I coached both my kids the whole way through until they wouldn't let dads coach anymore. Um, but it's just such a great sport. And I love watching it and I love watching them continue to play.
2: There's a bunch of good teams down where you are. I can tell you that. Um, Clinton's ridiculous, man. Clinton's crazy. Good. Uh, it, it, I said this the other day, it's the best high school team I've ever seen. And someone said, best high school soccer team. I said, no, I, I said, best high school team I've ever seen. Wow. And they like, what do you mean? I'm like, I mean anything. I've never seen a team that well-drilled, that well-coached, their communication skills. And you're sitting in the stands. It's cold. And the wind was blowing that night. And my son's team's getting his butt kicked getting its collective butt kicked and they're playing fairly well and they're getting their butt kicked and they were just, they the way they communicated to Carson's credit, you know, he went home with his teammates and they stopped someplace uh, in Madison, I think, and, and got, you know, a late dinner and got back. And by the time he pulled into the house, into the driveway, it was 1230. And, you know, I got up and went in there and he came in and, He goes, they're really good. And I said, yeah, they're, they're really good, bud. I mean, there's no, there's no shame in losing to that team. And he goes, but I mean, they set the standard, right? I mean, that's, I was, yeah, you're not going to play a team better than that ever. I mean, I don't think, I mean, if there's a team better than that, you don't want to play them. And I said, but yeah, that's the standard. That's what you have to try to catch. If you want to be a state championship contending team, you've got to meet them on so many levels, completely across the board. Right. And, and, uh, I don't think Tyler would mind me saying this. I got a, a message from Tyler Wade, the the coach at, at Clinton, the next day. Uh, just complimenting the Oxford kids and and complimenting Carson, which was incredibly classy on his part. Uh, but yeah, it was it was how well drilled they were, and and to see Brandon only lose two to one. I said, like, well, I didn't. We didn't see Brandon this year, but I go out on a limb and say they must be pretty damn good. Uh, it, there's a lot of really good soccer there, which is. Yeah. You know, it's. I've said this, and this is not a. This is not a political comment. I, but I firmly believe this. If it were not for Title IX, I think you would see a lot of schools around this part of the country start to go. You know what? We probably need to get ahead of the curve here and get started with the men's soccer program because there is zero doubt in my mind that uh, twenty years from now, thirty years from now, SEC schools will have scholarship sec soccer programs men's soccer programs
3: yeah i don't think it'll be that long but the, the clinton soccer programs and of course their girls won state championship saturday night so they went with boys and girls both of my kids played club at bria which is based bria soccer club which is based in clinton so my son played with a lot of those boys they're so freaking good my daughter played with a lot of the girls uh, on the high school team you know clinton is a is a is a Great town, great community, very community oriented. Uh, but man, they are really, really into soccer, and they have been for. This is their so a lot of those boys on that team are second generation soccer yeah. players. Yeah, I'm sure you saw that story uh, where their dads won a state championship twenty five years or so ago. It's really cool.
2: Yeah, because really, cool. really one of the questions I had before that story was how the hell this happened. Like, I know, I know he's a good coach and and stuff like that, but. Wow. Like they're still. Really
3: they all played club growing up together. They get to high school and they just did, you know, and they're also exceptional athletes too. So yeah. exceptional yeah. soccer players, excuse me. So anyway.
2: All right. So let's talk some politics. Um, I have yet to see the state of the union. I've got it recorded to watch. Um I heard my wife listening to um Sarah Sanders, her Republican response to the, State of the Union. I heard it in the background. I wasn't paying attention. I was watching basketball. I'd been riding basketball. So for people like me who didn't see the State of the Union or who chose not to watch it, but have heard that it was kind of rancorous in the in the in the chamber at times. Um, I'm assuming you being the political operative slash junkie slash consumer that you are. Um, I'm, I'm assuming you probably did watch it. Give me your thoughts on, on the speech and also the way that it was received in the house.
3: Well, I watched it this morning because I was watching your Oklahoma city thunder play, uh, the Lakers at SGA. guy, my gosh. How good is he? I love him. And, and then there's this Australian guy. We're switching to NBA real quick. I'll pick it back. Giddy. No, no. Hey, look, we've we, never we, seen that guy before. I had Oklahoma. Uh, OKC doesn't play a lot on, um, on television for me but anyway
2: no this was um, that was only their second nationally televised game of the year they're they're, they're they're completely under the radar and they're not a good team yet
4: but they're, I going,
3: they're Man, coming i don't know yeah, that, that, like, i love that australian guy's like why is he not in late in the fourth put him back in then he goes back in that guy was, that was fantastic yeah. josh, but, giddy's
2: a, josh giddy's a really good player jalen williams yeah. the one from santa clara is going to be a really good player and uh, you know Chet Holmgren is on their roster and is out this year with the foot thing, and and Chet's going to come back, and they're going to have a lottery pick. They're going to be a fun team to watch.
3: Well, the Lakers played into the Oklahoma City Thunder's hand, just like the Republicans last night played into Joe Biden's hands. I'll I will uh, say that. Listen, golly, Neil. When I I, I I I did watch it this morning because I knew we were going to talk about it, and I and I wanted to see some of it. Um, you know, you watch Biden come in, he's shaking hands, coming in on the Democrat side, gets up there, gets past a few introductions. And I just tell you, I watched about three minutes of him talking after the introductions. I just couldn't watch it. Honestly, I'm I'm not trying to be partisan. I'm I'm trying to be fair and balanced here as best I can. I am a Republican is what I do for a living. He looks so old.
2: Well, he is old.
3: He is old. That's that's a true fact. But he looks old. There are old people who don't look as old and sound as old as he did. I think that the Republicans made a mistake last night when instead of just letting Biden get up there, look old, sound old, fumble over some words, get some applause from his side. When you start yelling at him and calling him a liar and all of this stuff, you just make you make because he. One thing that dude likes is he likes to fight, OK? He's pretty, he's pretty good at sort of that's He's much better at sort of sparring with someone than trying to read a, a speech off a teleprompter. He just is. So when Republicans started sparring with him, he liked that. He wanted to give it back to them. They played right in his hands. If they'd have sat on their hands and been quiet, it would have been a dud speech. Okay. Um, but instead they didn't do that. And I think that was a mistake. I shouldn't say they. It wasn't every member, uh, every Republican member in the House and Senate. Uh, it was more the ones who like to, you know, do stupid shit like that. Uh and yeah, I think no, it, it, it's
2: it's 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 the reason it's the reason, in my opinion, that the Republicans in, in November with an opportunity, frankly, just right in front of you. They probably went into that thing as like twenty-six point favorites. If if you were to put you know a, a number on it, they they fumbled. They 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 blew it in November. Yeah, they they gained some in the house, but they didn't win the Senate. They should have won the Senate. They didn't. They 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 ran some some candidates that were were shaky. They 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 had some. Um, I don't even know the word that I'm looking for, Austin. It was well, it was, well,
3: well Neil. Here's the thing. Okay, Republicans should have made better gains in the House. They're very lucky to just hold on. Okay. And it's an impossible job that Kevin McCarthy fought so hard um, to, to win. But he's in the history books. So he'll be Speaker of the House um, for we'll see how long they will be in the history books. What I saw this morning, and I go to Drudge every, I go to Drudge several times a day. I like Drudge. It's old school. They just throw up you, um, the links and you go click on what you want. There's, you know, um so but i saw Gallup poll i uh, was at the top left of his of his website this morning Th- um what was it? it was a 35-50 35% of americans feel like they're better off today than they were a year ago 50% feel like they're worse off today than they were a year ago last year it was 41-41 i think um I, you know, the year before it was much better that's a terrible number for joe biden a terrible number for him So instead of letting him get up there and and, you know, give a really boring, old looking bad speech, uh, I think Republicans made some the the vocal obnoxious Republicans who wanted to spar with him last night got their way. But they gave, I think, Biden probably an overall victory on the night versus um, at best probably what would have been a draw.
2: We might jump around a little but we're going to get back into common themes. So let's let's stick with Biden for a minute. Here's this guy that is he's 80 years old. He's my parents age and you're right, uh, he he he's not as he doesn't come across as sharp as both of my parents do at this age. And my you know, parents would admit to you they're not as sharp at 80 as they were 10 years ago. It just sure. happens, right? Age. Um if you're in the, if you're a democrat operative today you're looking at polling data, and you're looking at this guy, and you're trying to figure out in the early stages of the 2024 election cycle, and we're getting close, is he running again? He's running again. Listen,
3: I don't watch the Sunday morning shows like we probably used to watch them 10, 15, 20 years ago. But we do see the clips, thanks to Twitter. And I saw Donna Brazil. You remember Donna Brazil, who I've oh, always been sure. a pretty smart strategist, made sure. a bunch of money, done a bunch of big things. Um, she was really smart when she said, um, if you're if you're Joe Biden, you don't announce for president now. You announce for president as late as you possibly can in 23, which is probably sometime in the fall, Uh, as close to, you know, August, September, maybe even October as you possibly can. October is probably too late. You wait as long as you can. Freeze the field out. Nobody's running. Kamala, you know, the VP hadn't said, oh, by the way, I'm going to run against you. Or some senator or some governor. I know that the governor of California, Oh, I just went blank on his name. Gavin Newsom. Gavin Newsom is probably the one who was flirting with it the most. Um, but nobody's running against you. Nobody's doing it. So, yes, it's a long-winded answer to your question, which is I think Biden is running again. I am shocked. I said a million times before there's no way because he's he not only is 80, he looks 80-plus. How can you – campaign so by the time the election's here that's, he's gonna be 81, 82 years old
2: eighty two yeah. yeah so
3: yeah. Uh, but I think he's I, I think as of now he's running unless something happens with his with his health uh and then we'll you know can't control that
2: do you think I'm asking you to speculate' because yep. probably not what you love to do, but I, I'll I'll do it for you and you can tell me I'm an idiot. I thought when they ran Harris as his running mate back in 2020, that it was kind of this, this plan, right. That, that he would run, he would get elected, um, a couple of years in, he would probably announce that either he was not going to run for reelection or maybe even step down, she would become president or she would become the face of the party, but for as bad as sometimes his numbers are, hers are always consistently worse. I mean, she's been a disaster. Yeah. Of a of a vice president from a public standpoint. I'm not saying she's a terrible person or that she's sure. an or any of those yeah. things, yeah. but she struggles publicly.
3: Yeah, she's she, probably a very nice lady.
2: Probably is. She's and she's I, I I listened to a show, um Reasonable Doubt, Adam Carolla and Mark Garagos. And Mark Garagos knows her and always yeah. vouches for her intelligence. And I'm going to take his word for it because Garagos is one of the most in, intelligent people that I ever listened to. So I'm gonna trust him here. But she doesn't come across that way. No,
4: yeah,
3: I mean she's gotta be she has to be somewhat smart. She was Attorney General of California, U.S. Senator of California, chote you know, passed the vetting process to be vice president, uh the you know, the nominee. But she you're right. She comes across as aloof, goofy, um, knows nothing about policy, doesn't want to take things serious. That's how she comes across. Those are not the best characteristics if you want to be president of the United States one day.
2: Right. So they can't run her because I think internally they probably would go, even they would probably would admit begrudgingly that she's not electable. Yeah. Does he take her off the ticket knowing that his age at 82 is going to be an even bigger deal than it was at 78 and put someone who is more palatable on the ticket? Or is that, is that a big political risk?
3: I think so. You're going to remove the first ever female, um, vice president in the history of the country, first ever African-American vice president in the history of the country um, I, it's a big political risk I, you know I don't know, I, I I, wouldn't think so, I really wouldn't, why do you want to rock the boat like that
2: I agree with you, I just was curious, I, I,
3: I, I mean it's a good question to ask it's a good hypothetical but I couldn't I, hell man, I didn't think he was going to run again either though I didn't think he would be at this point, so um, here
2: he is, Joe Biden let's let's and I don't want anything to happen to the man. Let's assume that that his health holds steady where it is today, and he runs as basically who he is today with Kamala Harris as his running mate. Obviously, the intrigue and the fascination is on the Republican party. Uh, to this point, Ron DeSantis hasn't made an announcement. Donald Trump has. Uh, he's running, Donald. Parker, he says he's running. He's attacking Ron DeSantis publicly with this Ron desanctimonious stuff that he does. Uh, went after him as recently as as Tuesday. Yeah. Um, what they, in the they, world they're... is happening with the Republican Party from a from a the, the the top of the 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 top of the party? And I, I, I'll, I I'm gonna be roundabout here, but. I saw a survey, and I can't remember where it was. Maybe it was Wall Street Journal, New York Times. It was something along those lines. It was 28% of the people who uh, vote for Trump, who would vote for Trump in a hypothetical election, say they would vote for him as a third party. They're so enamored with Trump. Trump is, remains this, this giant problem for the Republican Party going into 2024.
3: Yeah. And I think I think the way that you describe it as a problem is is true, um, because he's the only candidate that we have that is an energy. This is super important. Listen, anything I say, listen to this. He is an energizing factor for turnout for the Democrat Party base. Yes. Yes. Not only their base. But just the common voter who may or may not always go vote every presidential election, those are the hardest voters to get out. Uh, we usually call them one of fours. Basically means well, they voted in you know one primary uh, or one election over the last four years. Um, well, those
2: are the people that if anything happens on that day that interferes at all, they're like, screw it. I'm not, I'm a, I'm they not doing that. I have I a headache. It, yeah. Little Johnny's got a game. Uh, it's uh, cold. It's cold. Yeah. It, it might rain. Yeah. Um, I, I, my car's running on empty. I'm just. I'm but Trump
3: gonna... is the one who motivates those people to go out because they just don't like him. Am I surprised that there's 28% um, of those of Republican primary uh, voters who were polled who who said they'd vote for him no matter what? No, I'm not surprised. Dude has a loyal, loyal following. He really does. Um, he had, he, I think he's got a hard ceiling. Look, he had a hard ceiling on him in 2016 in in, in the primary, but there were so many candidates. Um, and and look, he he had not done all the good things and bad things. The bad things that work against you uh, when you're when you're running against uh, a, a field, those hadn't happened yet in 2016. But he was able to survive. Um, and get a plurality versus a majority. And I just think this field is setting up this time to not allow him to have that opportunity. It's no question, Governor DeSantis.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data,
3: Is the top candidate to to challenge him? Um, yeah, look, I, I I'd be willing to bet whatever you want to bet that 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 DeSantis is going to run for president. Okay, um, he's he's already got a super PAC that started. I know the folks that are involved in his super PAC. They are top notch, top flight, uh, political operatives, really smart people. Um, he's going to have a really good team around him. Um, but he won't be the only one Nikki Haley has gotten in, uh, former governor of South Carolina, former um, UN, Abba- what it, her title, like, UN ambassador uh, for the United States, really smart lady, um, took some tough stances um, um, on things that weren't popular with Republican voters in South Carolina, um, um, social issues. She's. I think she's got a tough, tough road. But she's running, and I think there'll be two or three or four other serious uh, individuals who would get in that race outside of the So you may see a, a, a field of four to six former, current governors or U.S. senators who are in that race. Now that doesn't mean there won't be two long shot governors that nobody's ever heard of, two members, you know, current members or former members of Congress who are running, but they don't have a serious chance.
2: What about DeSantis? What do you think of him as a candidate?
3: Um, I think that when you win Florida by 19 points, he may have got to 20. Florida, Neil. I mean, how many times have we watched you and I watching election night returns, presidential elections? Of course, we go back to to 2000 uh, when it was the closest race ever there and go, man, that state, if there's ever such thing as a purple state, it is Florida. Democrats win it sometimes. Republicans win it. He beat Charlie Crist. Charlie Crist, who was a former governor, um, you know, been elected to a lot of things. They're very well-known, universal name idea, in Florida. He beat the hell out of it.
2: Four years after barely winning.
3: Four years after barely meeting um, the African-American mayor of Tallahassee. Look, he's a formidable candidate who's going to have all, he already has all the money in the world, uh, and his campaign conferences is going to have whatever he needs, um, Republican I think the establishment donor committee community is going to get behind him just like they did Jeb Bush in 2016. Remember Jeb had a hundred plus million dollars uh, in 2016. He just met a force from Donald Trump that he just wasn't willing to stand up to. Uh, couldn't stand up to wasn't in his DNA. And I think that's the difference. I think Santa's will um, and is prepared to do that. Is prepared to stand
2: up to him. Oh, that's fascinating. You say it that way. When you say didn't stand up to him, what do you, what do you kind of mean?
3: So if you remember the, the, uh, the, the, the early debates and, um, when, when Trump would call him low energy job and all yeah. those, things, he was just, he was picking, he was being Trump. So Trump has been very good. Little Marco Rubio. He had all these nicknames where he just, just demonized whoever it was that he was running against, but did it in a way that seemed like he was joking, but also punching him right in the nose and, you know, back then people thought, oh yeah, I love this. It's refreshing. He's telling it like it is. And then Jeb would just kind of sit over there and he wouldn't punch back. Chris Christie would go throw haymakers with him, but Chris Christie wasn't electable at that point in time. Um, But Jeb just couldn't withstand it, didn't push back. That's, that's, that's what I mean. He was not, he was not a brawler.
2: Like I met I think Jeb Bush. I met Jeb Bush through you, if I recall correctly. He was yeah. in Starkville before Got before. If if he had a do-over, and life doesn't often bring do-overs, but if he had a do-over, would he have fought back?
3: I don't know. He's not like his brother. Um, and, and I'm a big fan of the Bush family. Um, I just am. I, I I think they're good people. But, you know, George W. had that Texas swagger in him. Remember the Al Gore general election debate? When Bush had won the first debate, and then and in the second one, I believe or it was the third one, the the Gore strategy was you got to get over there, get up in George Bush's face. You can't let him run you around this. And if you'll remember, Gore literally walked over to the podium like he was going to fight Bush, and and George W. said, basically like, "What's up?" How you doing? I mean, made him look like yeah. a fool. Yeah, I do remember that. Have that swagger, smart assness in him that just made Gore look like an idiot. So I think George W. would have been able to probably handle Trump better than his brother Jeb, If that makes sense. It does. Yeah.
2: So, so what you're saying is that you believe DeSantis in yeah. a debate it's... setting when, when Trump calls him Ron DeSanctimonious and when Trump tries to find his little jabs, you think. DeSantis, who seems to be the type like you mentioned, like I've watched him in in press interactions and such where he he'll go after people that he thinks are wrong, yeah. you know, and, and you think yeah. he takes on firing. he'll take on the former president of the United States in that setting?
3: Well, he better or he'll lose. But I I I, I was thinking the exact same examples as you as you are. Early in uh DeSantis' term, he had a, a press conference. I swear it was like an airplane, airplane hangar or yeah. something wide yeah, open yeah. city. And he was going after, you know, several members of the press about something that he just thought was wrong. Um, and he's certainly, you know, been willing to, to go after Disney and, you know, all these huge entities in the state of Florida. Um, and I don't know about the policy and politics of all those, but dude's not scared to go after people. And I think that's what it takes if you're going to survive, um you know an election challenge from from Donald Trump
2: we've seen in the past I guess it was George H.W. Bush when he was the incumbent president running against Bill Clinton who at the time was the governor of Arkansas Ross Perot as as a third party Perot didn't win but he certainly impacted that election does Donald Trump in your opinion have it in him to concede or does he run as an independent and and if that were to happen how do you anticipate that impacting a, a presidential election that's a yeah, year to
3: out such a great question um with so many answers I, i'll try not to be long-winded here no, First all, trump, trump doesn't want to lose again cuz he lost in 2020 and you know people can say whatever they want i actually I thought we'd get to this conversation. I went back and looked at the numbers from 2020. He lost, you know, Georgia by less than 20,000 votes, Arizona by, you know, a little, about the same number. Maybe it was less than 10,000. Wisconsin, he lost by less than 10,000. Pennsylvania, he lost by a lot, 80 to 100,000 Um but he still lost the election. I mean, that's how we do this in America uh, is through the Electoral College. And he still he still got, I think, eight million less votes, six, six and a half million less votes than than uh, than Biden. So even though he likes to say he didn't lose, that he won twice, the records say differently. I don't think the man wants to lose again. OK, he's not going to become president of the United States unless he's the Republican nominee. So, fact.
2: Yep. Fact. yep.
3: Okay. Um, you know, just this, this fact. Ask Teddy Roosevelt about that. Um, it's not going to happen. Um, so, I, I, Neil, I just don't think he would say, screw it. I'm so angry. I'm going to run as an independent only because he just knows there's, he knows he can't win it that way. So why go put yourself through that? Why have people say, well, you lost again. Uh, I I just don't see that happening. Look, you and I having this honest conversation, um, I don't know if he would be willing to stick it through in a primary with DeSantis if he thought he was going to lose to
2: DeSantis.
3: I mean, you're a former – he won in 2016. He's a president of the United States.
2: Yeah, he's okay. got 40, 45s his forever.
3: Yeah. Absolutely. you are never taken that away from him. And then do you want to come back and run the primary where you lose to a guy that you thought was sort of part of your coaching tree? Um, man, I don't know about that. I I think Trump got in real early because he wanted to freeze the field. He wanted to energize his base. Um, but we'll we'll have to see. If if we're heading into the Iowa caucuses and DeSantis is doing well, and then here comes New Hampshire right after that, and poll numbers and October and November and December of this, of this year are just saying, Oh, here goes to he's going to win it. And then if he wins a couple of those, I don't think Trump stays in this for a long time.
2: It's, you, it's I, I don't deep down. I, I, I question whether he has the ability to be magnanimous because he's yet to be magnanimous. You know, the answer to that, uh, you know, does he have the ability to just swing his support behind Desantis or Haley or whoever begins to maybe
3: organize. maybe maybe he's giving the benefit of the doubt on that a little bit. Maybe he says, "Oh well, Desantis is going to become president, or Nikki Haley is going to become president, or Neil McCready has become president because I gave him my MAGA group to them." Is he
2: willing to be a kingmaker and not the king? Yeah, that's the question, and I and I don't I don't know the answer to that yet. I, here's the problem, for, and this is a, it's a country problem for me. Is And you've got young people in your house that you love, that you care for. You're worried about their futures. You see what's happening in our country with the vitriol and all the things that are happening and our debt and all the, the stuff. What I don't want for our country, this is, this, isn't even, this is the part of me that's not partisan. I don't want a repeat election where Donald Trump runs on, I really won in 2020, but it got stolen. There's you no, know, there's, there's just no evidence that that the that, that the election look was the exact count right. Of course not. Where there's there some stuff that probably happened here yeah. and there, sure, yeah. but was it was it systemic fraud that stripped him of the presidency? I, I can't go there. There's no, there's no evidence to support that. And so I'd rather an, a, an election be run with, in this case, a sitting governor of the of the state of Florida who. Handled COVID and all of that completely differently than Trump, than Biden, who said, This is the way that you do it. This is my leadership record against your leadership record. This isn't about the 2020 election. This is about the 2024 election. This isn't about the past. This is about the future. I'd much rather see that election. And then let's put the America
3: needs. American needs a debate on ideals. America needs a debate on policy issues that matter to us. I mean, we need to have a real debate on what's going on at the border. Okay, it may not be your number one issue. It's not my number one issue, but it's right up there. It's when you start there. Looking, its there are four or five million people who have crossed the border illegally since Joe Biden um, took office. And we as Republicans need to come forth with this is our plan for how we fix this. And Democrats need to come forward with this is our plan for whether we leave it like this because we think it's the right thing to do, which clearly Joe Biden does, or we have a different idea. We need to be talking about those things, education, infrastructure, healthcare, care, taxes, um, Ukraine, China, Russia, things that really effing matter. If we have a repeat of 20 and 24, it's going to all be about I won, no I won. I won. I, that we America does not need that from two gentlemen who are one will be over. I think they'll both be over 80 that year as as Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who's the youngest governor in America right now, who's the governor of Arkansas, said it's time for the next generation of leaders to move forward. And I believe that for the
2: Republican Party as well. Did they pick her to give that speech so that she, a person who was in the Trump White House, was a a big part of the Trump White House, would say that maybe as a message to him? That's a,
3: <laughs> I have no idea, but man, I maybe, maybe I don't know that. I think it's. I think you could. It's sort of like a double entendre. It's certainly a message to Biden, but maybe it's a message to our own party as well.
2: So kind of what I wonder because you know you always are going to get if it's a Republican that gives the, the the State of the Union the Democrats are going to come back and 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 tell you where all of it's wrong and where they have a better vision and vice versa. I just thought it was interesting last night that here's Sarah Sanders who just won in November, um, one handedly in a in a very red state and she she ran a a terrific campaign from from everything I've heard and uh you know she's she's a charismatic person. Uh, yes. Women like her. She's very bright, uh, but you know, you don't look at Sarah Sanders today and go, you know, she's going to be in the presidential field in in a year because she's, not. No, no, I don't she's even, not. I don't even think she's on the short bench of who might be a running mate. So I I thought it was an interesting choice that she would do that and that one of her messages would be, hey, it's 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 time to it's time to turn the page, if you will. It's time to time to let the the, the next guy come in and play quarterback, and and I thought. Boy, who's that directed to?
3: I, I yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. She's she's got a she obviously has a very bright future, um, but I, I just think it's so important. I, I wrote uh, a column that was published in a in a um, a new entity that started in Mississippi, talking about. What should Republicans? It was a point counterpoint. I wrote it the Republican side and and a Democrat state senator from Greenville. the Mag-
2: Magnolia Tribune, is that Magnolia
3: Tribune, about? yeah. Yep. Um, wasn't sure if I could mention other. Sure,
2: absolutely. Yeah.
3: Um, and what my what I was asked to task to do was to write about what should Republicans be talking about in Mississippi in 2023, and I just wrote about look, Republicans should be bold. But Republicans should be bold on ideals, policy ideals, okay? Things that matter. We've got this great history, I think, over the last 20 years in Mississippi of things that we've been very successful on, education infrastructure. But you, you know, Tate Reeves, who is a friend, um, opened Mississippi up as fast as any governor did in 20 with COVID. He balanced the the, the health care concerns. But he was also thinking very, very, very uh, much so about small businesses in Mississippi and their survival. And there are big things that we've done in Mississippi as Republicans and as conservatives that that are good for our state, good for the future of our state that we should be talking about. But also saying we've done this. Let's do this next. That is big and bold. Okay, that doesn't mean you're always going to be successful when you sometimes swing for the fence. But with a calculated plan, sometimes you're going to miss. But if we have this conversation that is nothing but about politics and I don't like you and you don't like me and that's all that matters. And that's what's that's how we're going to get people to the polls. We are never going to fix our country. Look, I think I'd probably be a terrible candidate these days if I ran for office because I'm not willing to go say, well, I just don't like you because you're a Democrat. Now, I'm probably going to disagree with that Democrat a lot. But that doesn't mean I, I I can't be their friend. That doesn't mean I can't try to work with them to get the most conservative possible agreement consensus that I possibly could. But our politics are so screwed up because in many ways, both the left and the right, the far corners of each of those, are the and, and they're the minority of both parties, they are the ones that are the most vocal, the most on Facebook, the most on Twitter, and in many ways, they are guiding our politics right now, which I'm not a big fan of. Sorry. I was a little long winded there.
2: Dale. No, but it got me to my next question. Is, is that reparable? Is that just where we are? Is this cyclical? Is there, is there a way, you know, I always, always go back to this. I always think back to, and I'm sure that these people had their moments, right. But I always kind of think back to when I was a kid and Ronald Reagan ran for president, he defeated Jimmy Carter. And, and I don't know if you remember this, but I, I do, I was like 12 and, Jimmy Carter uh, was, was doing the groundbreaking for his uh, presidential library. And he got President Reagan at the time to come deliver the speech. And he did. He delivered this magnanimous speech about, about Jimmy Carter, the former president at the time. And these are two men that had run a, you know, a, a campaign against each other. And as you know, presidential campaigns are going to be better at some point. They're, the the stakes are so high. Yeah, you know rhetoric is going to get ratcheted up and it's just going to happen and yet there was there was a, a, a gentlemanly thing about it we've seen it in recent years with um president clinton inviting his former political rival to come help and they became great friends And we've seen them at funerals and things and then we just got through with the cycle where the sitting president didn't go to the inauguration which was something they'd always done you know he kind of broke from that and we have this just nasty, if you turn on Fox News, if you turn on CNBC or whatever the case may be, I mean, everybody's just, it's so vitriolic and so nasty. And it feels like that that has permeated every corner of kind of our society a little bit. I'm curious whether you think that's fixable or is that just who we are now?
3: I'm looking at my phone because you and I have both listened to this podcast. Um, oh, gosh, that comment. Now i got to find the name of it. Um American elections, wicked game, where they do like a 30 or 45 minute of every of every um, presidential election in in history of our country. And in the 1800s, they had some wicked ones. okay? they had some battles where they were, you know, saying all kinds of stuff. So this is nothing new. Um, Man, i got to think it's somewhat cyclical. Okay, I, I just have to think, who is it that is the that is the. Uh, leader of the Republican Party and the Democrat Party at that time, what's their personality? I mean, Trump is bombastic. He is a flamethrower. He is going to come at you uh, with knives out. That has been sort of, I mean, he's, you know, been the leader of the Republican Party. Does that change in 24 and 28 as we have potentially new nominees there? Uh, what is sort of the same for, for Biden? Um, does it change for them? I hope so. I hope we can get back to a little normalcy again. I'm, I'm a. I've said this, and I won't say it again. Won't flavor the point. I think we need to be talking about policy ideals that make America better. Um, you know that that you know. And then the same in Mississippi. I, I, I have sort of gotten to the point where, man, I think I should really try to focus as much on my community. And I live in Jackson, and boy, does it need a lot of help. <laughs> um, and, and and my state that I can do more to to with with my few abilities to help mississippi and jackson more than anything um because i'm because national politics is really you know just gotten so ugly but of course we're not because we love you know national politics because it matters so much
2: well you mentioned the state uh tate reeves uh will, will run for reelection, presumably um is there a challenge for him is, is is it going to be more difficult for him this time around and there's always an assumption that that it, it's a foregone conclusion that Republicans will will win the governor's seat, the governor's mansion. There, what do you what do you anticipate?
3: Uh, look, he's definitely the front runner, Brandon Presley, who is the Northern District Public Sar- Public Service Commissioner. We'll get that out. Um, you know, former mayor of Nettleton, Mississippi. Um, Brandon is is going to be the Democrat nominee. He's going to be well funded. He's very he's he's a lot in the mold of Jim Hood sort of a, a Northeast Mississippi rural white populist uh, kind of candidate. Um, will he be as well-funded as Jim Hood? I don't know. Brandon is much more likable uh, than Jim Hood, but Tate Reeves has got an extremely good track record of things that he can talk about um, from jobs to reopening after uh, reopening Mississippi as quickly as anywhere in the country uh, during COVID uh, and, and, and a number of other things that, that he's been able to do. I always say this about Tate, and Tate has been a friend for, you know, since twenty since two thousand three when he first ran. when I first got to meet Tate when he ran for treasurer. He has always been um uh, very much uh, the underdog in every race. Everybody thinks, oh, he's not gonna win, whether it was his first race in 03, when he was in a three-way primary, Republican primary, to winning in that, to win in the general election, to win in lieutenant governor, to win in governor uh and he had a tough primary against bill waller in 2019 tate's going to win again uh he's he's not going to win by 10 or 12 points i don't think he may but it'll you know it'll be a reasonably close race um but i think tate will win he doesn't have he doesn't have a primary opponent of of any substance so um but but it but presley i believe will be well funded look what would be great for Joe Biden is if a Democrat won Mississippi in 2023, that would show, oh, the country is changing. Republicans have no momentum. They, you, know, you know, Biden came into Mississippi and helped Brandon Presley win, but that's not going to happen. They're going to try, but I don't foresee that happening.
2: You mentioned Jackson. We didn't even talk about this before, but I'm curious. Um, how concerned are you for the future of of your city? Uh,
3: very concerned. Of course, you know, and Jackson's my house, where I'm raising my kids. I'm sure you look at Oxford much the same way. It's it's where you've raised your three kids after y'all Absolutely. moved. Absolutely. Yep. What was the little town that y'all lived in? Uh, Not so I little
2: anymore. Go. We were in Spanish Fort when Spanish we were right across yeah. the bay. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So, um, you know, Deidre and I have lived here for uh, just about 20 years, about our whole marriage. Um, you know, the The area that we live in by our school is kind of like a small town. I never thought I'd raise my kids here. Um, but that sort of Northeast Jackson is is sort of its own little small town inside of a big town. But I am very worried about the future of Jackson. I mean, it, it the the, the uh, local leadership is not focused on things that matter. Look, it's pretty simple in Jackson. If you focus on crime and you focus on infrastructure, just those two things right there, paving the streets and providing running water that people can actually drink and use um, and you focus on crime. Having enough police officers, supporting them, having a real jail and locking people up can go a long way towards just stabilizing Jackson. Um, you know, the Fondren area, I'm not sure how much much time you spend in Jackson, ha- is doing really well. There are parts of Jackson that are doing better. Um, you know, State Street is doing, sorry, Capitol Street towards State Street, starting to come back a little bit. Uh, the one lake, the one lake project, which would totally re- revitalize Jackson, um, to bring sort of mixed use, um, housing, um, you know, residential, commercial, right off sort of I fifty five, would be a tremendous boost for Jackson. But but we've just got leadership there that's only focused on their own politics. I hate to say. And are not focused on the things that really matter, you know, whether you're white or you're black or you're Hispanic or you're rich or poor, no matter what part of Jackson you care about, you live in, if you can just have the bad guys off the street and you can have streets that you can drive on and you can have clean running water, damn, those three things you would think are pretty simple, but we've struggled with that.
2: Yeah, you would think that would be pretty basic stuff. And yet it's it's almost impossible for someone to run a campaign on those things and win. I know, but but, but let me say this.
3: Jackson is our capital city. Whether you're from Oxford or Oklahoma or Ocean Springs, Jackson is our capital city. So we can't just give up on it. Mm-hmm. We can't just say screw it. We have to try to do what we can. And the and I will say, um, the legislature and the governor are focused on it. And I'm not going to get into the, the nuances because nobody listening to this really cares unless you live in Jackson. But there there are things that are being done um, to try to make Jackson. Uh, give it the opportunity to rebound from, I think, its floor of where it is right now.
2: Yeah, and you got to find a way to bring jobs to places. You got to find a way, and that's so complicated, right? Because you got to go out and recruit people to bring jobs, and they come in and look at something and go, well, "Wait a minute, the crime's bad, uh, the the streets are terrible, and there's no running water. Why, why would we <laughs> go there?"
3: But but even if the jobs located in in Clinton or the jobs located in Madison County or Rankin County or Bolton or Ba Bi- That's fine. It's a 15, 20-minute commute. You can still live in Jackson if you want, black or white, rich or poor, and drive to that job. So you're right. Having jobs in Metro Jackson is extremely important. They don't necessarily have to be within the city limits. It would be helpful uh, to improve the tax base, but anyway.
2: Hey as always, I really appreciate the time. I think you're terrific at what you do. I love your uh, your ability to give analysis. I know you come from from one side of the field but I always feel like it's a it's, it's, it's a fair shake so and I know there will well, be always, disagree, and that's okay.
3: That's okay. look we, we that's that's what makes America great is we can disagree and um, but that's okay. Hey man I, I greatly enjoy talking to you as always. Uh, tell Chase hello and look forward to doing this again.
2: I will. Thanks so much, Austin.
3: Okay. Bye-bye.
2: Thanks once again to Austin Barber for his time today on The Beer Garden. We'll be back with another Beer Garden, hopefully, sometime next week. I'm still trying to figure out how to sort of incorporate this podcast into my workflow. Um, but now that recruiting's over, work slowed down a little bit. There's a lot of basketball stuff going on, all likelihood of a coaching search. So, still trying to figure out how to uh, incorporate this into my week, but I'll get that done and we'll get another, uh, beer garden or two headed your way here pretty soon. So again, thanks for making us a part of your week. Thanks for making this show a part of your week. Please tell a friend, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, uh, share it on social media. I'd be very appreciative. So until next time, take care.
4: The headlines remind us daily. The world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing, but you know, better